The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by the host and guests on this podcast are their own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of UCLA Athletics, UCLA Gymnastics, or the Bruin Gymnastics alumni community. The content of this podcast is strictly for informational purposes only and should not be considered professional advice. I'm just so grateful to have been able to accomplish that. And again, it took everyone, everyone to get there. Um, from the injuries to balancing my schedule to figuring out when I was going to practice. And I learned so much from everyone, like detail orient, like being detail oriented and making every single minute count. <laughs> Welcome to the Bruin Gymnastics edition of the Resilience to Brilliance podcast, where you'll be inspired by riveting behind-the-scenes stories of UCLA gymnastics legends. I'm your host, Kim Hamilton-Anthony. Here we go. Brittany McCullough's debut at UCLA led to her being chosen as Pac-10 Freshman of the Year. She brought consistency to the Bruins, hitting all 30 routines she competed her junior year and 40 of the 41 routines she competed as a senior. She also won the 2010 National Floor Exercise title and helped UCLA to win the national team title, all while doing what most people thought was impossible and what no UCLA student-athlete had ever done before. She was studying to be a nurse in UCLA's extremely competitive and one of the most highest rated nursing programs in the U.S. Brittany's resilience story began a lot earlier than most. She sat down with me to talk about her challenges and her secrets to overcoming them. Hi, Brittany. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Tell me what you're up to these days. These days, I am first a wife and a mom to an almost two-year-old on Friday and a five-year-old. So we have a little one in school now. And then I also work as a pediatric nurse practitioner part-time. I'm working about 50% of the time in a clinic. So I see a lot of little kids when they're sick, but also for their physicals and vaccines. And I love my job. Now, what led you into the nursing profession in the first place? So originally, I wanted to be a pediatrician when I um, started school. And then I was in a car accident my freshman year of college. And I actually never saw a doctor while I was in the emergency room. I had my nurse and then I saw a physician's assistant. And my nurse, the entire time, I had already been kind of thinking about nursing, maybe, but my nurse talked to me a lot about it. She's like, you should consider nursing. You can do a lot of different things with nursing. There's legal nursing. You can work in a hospital. You can work in a clinic. Like you don't have to be in a hospital all the time. You don't have to see the blood all the time. I don't mind the blood, but I <laughs> but there's just a lot of different options. So after my car accident, I ended up applying to the School of Nursing at UCLA. And I wish, I don't even know her name, but I wish that I could go back and talk to her because she really influenced me to become a nurse. And I'm very thankful that I did. Uh, well, it seems like it makes your heart sing because when you talk about nursing, talking about being around those kids, your your face just lights up. So I'm excited for you. I'm so happy for you being a mom of young kids. It can't be easy being a nurse and a mom, but I, I love that you're able to have a part-time schedule it, it is. Yes. I, um, I always like to say I have the best of both worlds. I um, appreciate being able to be home um, with my girls part of the time. But I also get to do something that I love and also show them what it means to do what I love and what I feel like I'm called to do so that they can also grow up to do the same. Yes. So, so you're being an example for them to say, hey, listen, if there's something that's really true to your heart that you feel is a part of your purpose, you can pursue that. You can be a parent and pursue your career at the same time. And just sometimes you have to make those adjustments. You, do. Right? you figure it out. You work together. I'm thankful that I work together with my spouse and our family is very helpful too. So we're figuring it all out. You are. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Brittany, uh, 
you know, this is a podcast about resilience to brilliance. So we want to talk about your resilience story. And I look back over your history in gymnastics, and it seems that injury could have derailed or ended your career on many occasions. And a lot of athletes start their resilience story there. But your resilience story starts long before you became a gymnast. Can you tell me about that? Yes. So um, I did have many injuries, but I actually it actually started when I was even when I was born, because I'm not sure if it happened when I was born or at about six to seven weeks of life. Well, first, when I was born, my cord was wrapped around my neck. So that was the first thing. And then after, um, when I was about six or seven weeks old, um, I was vomiting and a lot. And uh, my mom took me into the hospital. And the first doctor completely brushed her off, said, you're just being overly concerned. There's nothing to worry about. Go home and just keep feeding your baby. She walks in the door at home. I throw up across the room and she's like, something's wrong with this kid. So her her and my uncle and my dad went back to the hospital and the pediatrician that saw me there who was actually walking with the cane said, oh, this child has pyloric stenosis, which is a disorder that causes projectile vomiting um, and can cause weight loss and failure to thrive in kids. But she also said this child has bilateral hip dysplasia, which in essence was dislocated hips for both of my hips. Oh my and goodness. the reason she really um, was on top of it is because she was walking with the cane because hers went undiagnosed as a child. Mm. So I always say everything happens for a reason. And the first doctor was meant to brush my mom off, I guess. <laughs> uh, she wasn't the she one was, who was supposed to see she you. She wasn't. Um, I was meant to see this pediatrician who later on sent me over to have surgery for the pyloric stenosis, but also got me into bracing for my hips. And so my parents had to maneuver around um, the brace to change diapers and all of that. Um, And I had a few different braces. And eventually my parents were told that I may not walk normally or run normally when I got older, but I became a gymnast. My mom said that when... (laughs) Mm, um, you the odds. When I got the braces off and I, I could walk, she said, I didn't walk. I just ran because I couldn't walk for so long. <laughs> You're like, I am free. I am just taken yes. off. So that projectile vomiting was actually a blessing in disguise. I'm sure your mom was not happy with it and just so scared as a young yeah, mom. She was. She was very scared. It was necessary in order for you to get in to see the right doctor. It was necessary. Um, It was. um, And as I'll tell you later as well, I really believe that the Lord places certain people in certain areas um, at specific times to allow certain things to happen for certain diagnoses to be found for just different things so that um, to put all the pieces together, the pieces of the puzzle so that each person can fulfill their destiny, fulfill what they're called to do. I like that. So you mentioned that as most gymnasts do, you faced some injuries. When did that start? Around high school? Um, it started in high school. I had actually fractured um, my back. I had a stress fracture, my lower back. And so I was out of gymnastics. I think that was my sophomore or my junior year. So I was in a back brace. I was out of competition. I wasn't oh, like, so hard. I was in the gym to stretch and condition some because there wasn't very much I can do. I came back and competed a full season. I competed at national championships. I qualified to be on the national team. And that year, which was, I was very, very excited about because I hadn't done gymnastics for so long. And I had had... And that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, it is. It's difficult. And I was very thankful and very appreciative. Honestly, just to be on that stage, it was a lot of fun to compete. But just very thankful from where I had come from and not even sure if I would be able to do gymnastics anymore because of my injury and to be able to still go out and compete and to be where I was. Um, There was just a lot of gratitude. Um, And I'll go back a little bit. I remember when before I found out I fractured my back, I walked in. Well, I didn't walk into the house. My dad had to carry me because my back was hurting so badly. And so that 
all of those things. And I remember my mom saying, remember this pain that you have, you get one back. You have two arms, you have two legs, um, but you get one back and your back controls everything in your body. Um, so honor your body and respect your body um, and take care of it. And so what wise advice? Yes, I was very thankful for it because it definitely came into play um, later in life with the rest of my injuries, because that was really only the beginning. Um, and she taught me, she really taught me to listen to what the doctors were telling me and be obedient and compliant. Because if I wasn't, not only would my gymnastics career not be able to continue, but with a back injury, it could affect the rest of your life. So I learned a lot in that situation. Um, and so because of that, there was a lot of gratitude when I was competing at national championships. And when I did make the national team, um, I was being treated for asthma. I also have asthma. <laughs> um, okay. and so we went back to training and then I was supposed to go to camp for, to get an international assignment or to get some kind of an assignment. Um, and I want to say 10 days before I went, I was practicing and I tore my right Achilles uh. and Oh. I was at 16. I was devastated <laughs> that I had torn my Achilles. Um, I remember thinking, why did it happen? But I also remember thinking that it happened for a reason. I didn't know. Really? That early on at 16, mm -hmm. you thought that? Huh. I start, I, for, I think it had a lot to do with how I was raised with the gratitude and just knowing that everything falls together for your good and for a purpose. Um, so I remember being very frustrated, very, very frustrated and like not understanding why it happened, but knowing that it was hopefully and probably for a reason. Well, wait a minute. This this is right after you made the national team and before you got your first assignment? Before I was supposed to go to camp to get my first assignment. Okay. Ah, oh, that is so hard. Ah, yeah. oh, I can't imagine. It was frustrating, but even in that moment, there was a blessing. Um, I was, so I went to public high school. I didn't do homeschooling. A lot of gymnasts do. Um, but I, um, as a kid, I was very in my shell. I didn't talk to a lot of people. And so I told my parents, if I have to homeschool, I will not do gymnastics anymore. <laughs> I need to be in school because that is the only way I'm going to interact with people. Um, so I, it was a blessing that I was able to be in school full time. I, I couldn't really go into the gym. So I was in physical therapy a lot to keep up my strength. But I was at school. I was interacting in school, going mm -hmm. to dances, going to football games. Like, and so that was a blessing that I was able to do all of those things my senior year too. So. Yeah, yeah I was thankful for that. And then moving forward in the last few years, I learned what the real blessing it was um, that came out of that injury. And what was that? So uh, in the last few years, a lot of um, information has come out about Larry Nasser and the abuse um, that he, that came out with other girls and the survivors and all of that that happened. Um, and a lot of the abuse that he did was based around a back injury, like back injuries for girls. Oh, and I was, yes. I, my back injury was healed, but I was still having back pain. And so I was going to go to camp where he still was treating. Um, and so I would have gone and possibly been abused. Um, and in the last year or two, I realized how thankful I am um, that I had that injury. It was devastating at the time, but um, that was a real blessing in disguise. And the Lord doesn't always allow us to see those blessings and what can, what comes out of the things and how he works them out for our benefit. But in this situation, he allowed me to see, and I'm very thankful. I'm very, very thankful. Um, I'm thankful for the injury. I'm thankful that I didn't have to sustain abuse and I, I'm not a survivor of abuse. I'm, my heart goes out to all the girls that are, um, that had to endure that, but I'm very thankful that I did not have to. There was a reason for my injury so that I could avoid that. Brittany, that is 
incredible. I'm I'm at a loss for words right now because gosh, that's so devastating. And being in that world and and you know, I I know Larry and had no idea what was going on with everyone and just it's just very very challenging and very difficult. And this might be a, a tough question for you to answer. But I wonder there might be someone listening who says, well, she got to get out of that situation, but what about all the other girls? How could a God be good to her, but yet allow someone else to experience what they went through? I think the only thing that I can say is that we don't get to choose. Unfortunately, we don't get to choose. And it's not fair that they had to endure that abuse. And it makes me tear up that they had to, because that's not fair as young girls, that shouldn't happen. But I will encourage those girls and whoever out there may be thinking that, that the Lord works everything together for our good. Like in this situation, it, my injury worked together for my good to not have to endure that abuse. Even though they endured that abuse, there's something that is going to come out of it, whether it's encouraging someone else who was abused in a different situation, whether it's incur like there's something that is that comes out of it and the strength that they get from it. I don't know what it is, but there is something that comes out of it. And I think the biggest is the encouragement for someone else, because there's always going to be someone else you're going to meet that you can encourage that has been through a similar situation. So I encourage whoever out there is thinking that way or whoever has been abused, share your story. Don't keep it into yourself because there's someone out there that can benefit from it. And it might be someone you don't know, but you never, you never know how you can bless someone else by sharing your story with them. Yeah, that's well said. So well said, Brittany. One of the things I thought about as you were talking was sometimes when you share your story, not only does it help the healing of someone else who has gone through it, but it also helps you. I look back on my own story and there were some abuses in there. And and as I share, there's this healing that takes place. And there are people that I can speak to, people that others can speak to, that they're the only ones who can provide that encouragement because they truly understand what has happened and how it feels. So thank you for sharing that. Of course, I think that's really important. There's something that comes from releasing it. Keeping it in just keeps it bottled up, but when you release it, it's healing and refreshing. So good, so good. Now, how long after your Achilles injury did you start looking at colleges? <laughs> I actually had already, <laughs> I had already been looking at colleges. I had already been accepted okay. and had committed to going to UCLA. <laughs> ah, there so you go. So there was, um, that was the other thing that crossed my mind. And we weren't sure, we were like, well, does this mean that I'm not going to have a scholarship anymore, that I can't go to UCLA to compete? And thankfully, again, after talking to Ms. Val, she's like, no, regardless, because I, I didn't know anybody with Achilles injury. So I was like, do I come back from this? Like what happens after this? Like, right. I don't, I didn't yes. know. It was all very uncharted territory for me. So um, my thought was I'm going to rehab, come back and keep competing. But I, at the time I didn't know what it looked like. So um, <laughs> Ms. Val um, reassured me that whether you come back or not, you still have a place here. And that was the first time that she, the, the first, first time, time that she, the first time of that. Um, so I, I still went on to compete for UCLA. Um, thankfully that I, I still was able to go even with my Achilles injury. <laughs> I love that. That's, is that, I, I'm not sure if that's common for a person to be allowed in with an injury. Is that just normal for a coach to say, Hey, I know you're injured now, come in as a freshman rehab or red shirt, whatever it is that you need. Or is that kind of UCLA specific? Honestly, I'm not sure. I'm not 100% yeah. sure. Um, mm -hmm. But I know that I've seen it happen with Miss Al at UCLA. So I know for sure at UCLA, Mul but I don't yes, know anymore. Multiple else. <laughs> times. Yeah, that's yeah. a good question. I need to, I, I should, I should dig into that. 
find out some answers. So you mentioned earlier when you were talking about what led you into nursing that one of the things was the fact that you were in a car accident. So you come to UCLA, your freshman year, you think you've put your injuries behind you and you're ready to go. What happened? So I was literally ready to compete. I was fully, completely rehabbed and came back 100% ready. And then I came home for Thanksgiving and I fell asleep driving. I had been up studying pretty late and I fell asleep driving and crashed into a tree. Um, It was a very small tree. Um, Thankfully, it was literally like that diameter is one of those little trees that are growing that they put sticks on the side. And I was down the street um, from my parents' house. Um, and I, I had fallen asleep. I crashed and totaled my car. And in the car, the floorboard had cut um, the front of my left foot. And so I went to the ER. And in the ER, um, they, they just saw that I needed to have it sewn. So they put stitches there and healed. Um, and I went back to school after Thanksgiving and I was on crutches. And but as I got back to school and start trying to start walking again, because we t- had taken out the sutures and everything. And I, I was tripping a lot over my foot. And we started realizing I couldn't raise my left big toe. It was just lagging every time I would um, take a step. And so um, I was in the uh, training room with Lorita and uh, one of the older physicians came in and it was late in the evening, actually. And he like he had just been watching from afar and he came up to Lorita and said, she's torn her extensor hallucis longus tendon. (laughs) And he he diagnosed that from afar. He diagnosed that from afar. (laughs) So (laughs) I had to I went and saw a foot surgeon and saw him and he said that he can repair the extensor hallucis longus is a very small tendon and when i was in the accident the floorboard had cut it and so what they had to do was go back in and reopen part of the wound that um, had healed um but he told me that you have to do exactly as i say if you try to push forward move your toe do anything before i tell you you can re-rupture it and I can't fix it again. Whoa. So, um, and um, this was the second time that Ms. Val, so Ms. Val and my dad and Lorita went to this appointment with me and she said again to me, regardless of what happens here, you have a place on this team. And oh my goodness. And she um, was explaining to me different roles that I play that my only role isn't in gymnastics. I also played a role as a leader and you can be a leader both how in how you behave and act and but you can also be a leader with your words and again I'm not very verbal I don't say a lot but she encouraged <laughs> me to begin to speak up and be encouraged and to encourage others and to be a leader with my voice um and then and that's what I was for that year and I had to redshirt my freshman year because I had torn my toe tendon and it took a long time uh, to rehab it back. And I did toe, um, toe rehab. <laughs> it's such a small body part, but plays such a significant role in everything, right? Especially gymnastics. Yes. <laughs> What's interesting, Brittany, is that the doctor's telling you, if you don't do exactly what I say, then this thing may never heal again because he won't be able to repair it. That goes back to what your mom said. You have one back (laughs) and you need to take care of it. So in essence, she was preparing you to be okay with following the instructions of doctors. Because a lot of times when you're an athlete competing at that level, you're like, just, I just want to go do whatever you can to put me back out there. And you were able to be patient along the way. I, I spent a lot of time with Larita. And the one thing that we kept talking about and with my parents was, all of these injuries have taught me patience. Um, uh, that was like the key thing. And I remember when I graduated, patience was the main thing that I learned. Being <laughs> patient in every single circumstance and following directions and just really being okay with whatever it is they asked me to do. 
Um, and like you said, my mom did prepare me. I don't think she knew <laughs> the extent <laughs> to what extent she was preparing me, but she did. She prepared me to listen to my body um, and follow the instructions of what the doctors are telling me. So that because your body's important, you only get one. And thankfully, it's enabled me to talk to some of my patients. Honestly, I have athletes that I see and they between concussions and injuries and different things. They're like, well, no, it doesn't really hurt. I was like, look, I need you to be honest with me. <laughs> you have to tell me I've been I, I can tell them I've been in your shoes. I understand where you're coming from. And you it's important. You get one body. You have to take care of it. And I can tell them and relate to them on a certain level because I've been where they are. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good, Brittany. So you redshirt your freshman year, but in 2008, you get a do over. And you end up earning Pac-10 Freshman of the Year. I did. Right before Pac-10s. Yes. That's so cool. Congratulations on that. I appreciate that. Yeah. You were competing in a meet before Pac-10s. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, the meet before Pac-10. Yet again, you had to stare adversity in the face. What happened? Um, I went, I, I think I was competing. I was competing floor and it was my first pass. Um, and on the takeoff, I felt a pop. Um, I didn't know what it was. Um, and I, I barely pulled it around, um, so that I was at least safe. Um, and eventually I, when I went over to Lorita, she was able to tell me and the doctors that I tore my left Achilles. The other the one. The other one. Oh. And the same one that I had also, um, torn the toe tendon on. <laughs> Oh, great. Uh, so I wasn't sure yeah. what it was because I, I wore so much tape and balls and everything <laughs> on my ankle. Yes. Um, You're like, something I happened. thought that maybe the tape had torn or something like that, but I had torn my Achilles. And I will say at the very beginning, I, was, I wasn't even sad. I was just mad. <laughs> I was so angry. I was just, again, like, why again, why is this still happening? Why does this keep happening over and over and over? I yes. was angry. And I, I know that before I said that, I really believe everything happens for a reason. I will say it took me a few weeks to get to that place again. <laughs> I was, I was really, really angry. Um, and then I think too, um, while I was still on the floor, and I was being treated, my family was there with me. I think I heard a few different people. I think the first person that asked me was my grandpa. He said, so are we done now? Like, are we done with gymnastics? Um, because it like, it had been a lot and, um, it was a lot for me, but I think a lot for my family to see me go through so many injuries. Um, and it was difficult. Um, and so he was the first one that asked me, like, are we done with gymnastics? Like you've, you've had a good go. Like you're, you're good. Like, and you're still, I was studying nursing, you're, you're doing all of these other things, like you have other things you can do. Um, and I was really upset by <laughs> that question. I was like, no, I'm not done. Yes. Um, and then two other people over the next like two to three days asked me the same question. And I was curious. I remember being so angry. I'm like, no, I'm not done yet. <laughs> I am not <laughs> done. I'm like, at least give me a chance to rehab like I did my other one I know what this looks like now like I can rehab back at least let me try um don't like call it quits on me yet um and so I was like no I'm not done I'm gonna keep going um and I got to place like all of this happens for a reason like and again it was like two to three weeks after my injury um and I was like it had this is happening for a reason I don't know what the reason is but it happens for a reason and we're going to keep pushing. If I get to the place where I rehab and I can't, I just can't do it anymore, then that's fine. But it, I'm, it's not going to be because I didn't try. Um, and that actually reminds me um, of a poem that everyone can go look up if they want. Um, my grandpa read it to me for the first time when I think I was a junior in high school, probably around the time I fractured my back. Um, and it's called... Somebody said it couldn't be done, and it's by Edgar Guest. And every injury, like I, I had it printed and up in my room to read um, on the regular because of all that I've <laughs> been going through. Yes. Um, yeah, and all, all that I was also juggling and balancing. So 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I decided I was going to so, come back. Yeah. You're, you're like, no, I am not done. I am going to try this. I like that you wanted to try. And if it didn't happen, okay, that's a different story than me not trying at all. We have to try. I had, I had to. I didn't want to have any regrets later. And if I had at least the opportunity to try to get back out there and I wanted to try and have gymnastics in the way that I wanted to. And you don't always get that opportunity, but I could. And so I wanted to at least try. Now, what are some of the things you did to come back from that injury? A lot of rehab. I rested first and I kept up a lot of my upper body and core strength. And then we did a lot of swimming and I forget what it was called, but there was like a pool that we did a lot of swimming in um, where I was tethered in. And after surgery, just walking in a boot, I had to relearn how to walk. I did a lot of heel raises. Um, I remember, I remember crying during rehab. It was hard. It was really, really hard because it was painful, but also like, it just like, I had to really rework, like I had no calf. Um, and I, it was like that before, but for some reason, this one was harder. Um, and maybe because of the other injuries and I had torn my toe tendon, but I remember crying during rehab because it was hard, but it like, I pushed through the tears. I was like, this is what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of rehab. I, um, I spent a lot of time with Lorita. I don't know if everyone knows who Lorita is, but Lorita, Lorita yeah. is the, was the um, UCLA gymnastics team trainer at the time. Um, and I always joke and say Lorita was my best friend. <laughs> Lorita was my best friend. And Lorita's, she's so sweet. She oh, I love yeah. working with her. And she prayed with me. Yeah. We prayed together, mm-hmm. like after injuries. Um, I was very, very thankful for her. We we had some wow. like six in the six a.m. mornings together. A lot of them. Ooh. So you were not about to let anything keep you from finishing your gymnastics career, and at the same time, you were not about to let anything prevent you from achieving your dream of becoming a nurse. Your journey as a nurse was not an easy one. No, not in addition to all of the injuries that I had. Um, right. It wasn't easy because I had to balance gymnastics and practicing and competition season with the classes that I was taking. Um, and nursing is very specific in that you have to take certain classes in a certain order and you have to take them at the time. They, they aren't offered at different times because it's our class was a class of like 50, 45 to 50 people. So all of these people are in all of your classes. Um, and you have to take it at this specific time. It's only offered once during that year. And so you take it when they say, so during that time, I, my classes were somewhere at nine o'clock, somewhere at 10 o'clock. Um, and this is before I started clinical, but somewhere at nine and 10. So I would go into the gym, um, early, which is why I would see Larita early. <laughs> I would see her at like six, mm-hmm. six a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, I go into the gym at like Seven, seven thirty, um, and thankfully, um, Chris and Ms. Val and all of the coaches really worked with me and were willing to come in early with me. Um, oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would go in early, start my training, do what I could do in the hour and a half to two hours before I would have to go to class. I'd go to class for the hour or two, and then I'd come back and train um, with the team for probably an hour or so. And then I'd go back to class again. Oh my yeah. goodness. So there was a lot of balancing and juggling. Um, and I remember while I was doing this, I was part of the team and I would see them in the morning, like the last hour before I would go to class. And then when I'd come back, um, but I also felt like I'm not able to contribute as much to the team because I'm not there mm-hmm. with them. And I really tried to figure out ways that I could be a part of the team and it be encouraging to the team because my voice wasn't there with them all the time. Um, so what I would do is I would, um, I had a book that had a lot of different encouraging quotes. And so mm-hmm. I would, um, in the training room, there was a, a, a clipboard that we had to write different things on in the morning, every morning. And so I would leave a sticky note or some kind of card for all the Aww. girls to read with an encouraging quote or a note or something for them 
That's great. Thank you. I like tried to be creative about how I could still be present with everyone um, because I felt like it was really important um, because you're on a team. And when you um, when you're in club gymnastics, it's very individual. But when you go to college, what you look forward to is being a part of the team. Um, and because of the career path that I chose, I wasn't able to always be completely present. Um, so I was trying to figure out ways that I could be present. Um, and so that was one of them. And then I started clinicals. <laughs> um, and when I first started clinicals, I had to do two 12 hour shifts in addition to the classes that I was taking two 12 hour shifts a week. And then the two classes that I was taking. So those two days I didn't practice at all. So that took more time away. I can't imagine. <laughs> I cannot imagine two 12-hour shifts while you're training as a gymnast. It was is, a lot. <laughs> it was a lot to balance. Um, <laughs> you think? Yeah. Yeah, that was a lot. It was a lot to balance. But I, um, I think the thing that I tried to focus on was just doing the best that I could um, and taking care of my body as best as I could, too. So nutrition was important. Sleeping was really important, especially for 12 hours. Mm -hmm. Um, oh my goodness. Um, and then I think I appreciate the coaches working so well with me. Like I had to communicate really well with everyone from the school of nursing to the athletic department, to the coaches in the gym. Um, this is what my body is feeling. And at one point it's like, oh, your body's just really tired right now. You can't physically do this. So let's back off a little bit. What you need is to just stretch and like you need to sleep. And so let's do that. Um, and take a break from running down the vault today. <laughs> um, so like <laughs> I had to really learn my body too and um, learn how to communicate really well and also bring everyone together to explain to the school of nursing, hey, we have these meets this time. How can we work together? And I remember Ms. Val going into the school of nursing with me to talk to people about she everything. Went with you. Yeah, like oh. me, it was a real juggling act. Um, but I appreciate everyone be being willing um, to do it um, because I remember when I first said I wanted to do it, everyone, everybody was like, no, that's not possible. <laughs> everyone said that, that's not possible. We like, we're not going to be able to do that, but be because it had never been done For, in the school of nursing, they mm -hmm. hadn't had a student athlete. They're like, we can't do this. Like that's not going to work. And in an athletic department, like we haven't had a student ever do nursing. That's too specific. <laughs> that's like, that, that's not going to work. And I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. We're going to like, how can we make this happen? And so I eventually convinced everyone to allow me to do it. And I will say the first time I applied to the school of nursing, I didn't get in. And then I, I talked to them about why I didn't get in. I resubmitted my application and my letter and everything, and then talked to them about what I was willing to do and that I was willing to put in the work and the time and all of it. And they're like, okay, if that's what you want to do, let's do it. So what was the first reason they gave you as far as why they didn't allow you in? The first reason was because I was too basic in my letter. It was, you want to help people. You want to contribute to people. Um, everybody wants to do that. And so um, I, want, I wanted to know why. And so after talking to them about why they explained that to me, I was like, okay. And so then I told them my story about being in a car accident and this was my journey and what I act like, what my passion was. And they're like, okay, we understand why you want to do this and let's go ahead and figure it out. And so let's see if we can make that mm -hmm. work. You know, a lot of people may give up after that first try if they were declined. They might not have gone back and say, hey, hey, what what was it about my application that didn't sit well with you or that made you not accept me into the program? It's it's wonderful that you were persistent. You were resilient. You were like, hey, this is what I know what I want to do. And this is it. And I need to, you know, figure out a way to get in there. The fact that Miss Val went with you <laughs> to uh, the program and talked to them and helped them to understand how she was going to make adjustments with you in the gym. And I just, who does that? I love that she did that. And it just shows you how much the coaches cared about 
not just you as an athlete, but you as a whole person. They really did. And I, I really, really appreciated that. Um, that was why I chose UCLA. Um, the top-notch academics and athletics together um, was why I chose UCLA. And that was really important to me. And that they cared about me as a person um, and developing me in more than one way. Um, I truly, truly appreciate it. And I say to this day, there's no way I could have done anything that I've done without their support between Ms. Bell and Chris and the coaches that came in with me, the athletic department and working with me to figure out like, because there's all these specific rules for NCAA and you have to have this many credits towards your, towards your major, like all of those things, like we really worked together to make sure I stayed eligible. Um, and then the School of Nursing, I like, I was really good friends with the assistant dean at the end of my, I invited her to my <laughs> wedding. That's how Aww. close we had gotten um, because I was in her office all the time. Um, Ms. Val came with me to her office. She came, she started coming by the gym to say hi. <laughs> oh, that's, um, that's how that's much amazing. time I spent with all of these people. Um, and I could not have ever done any of what I've done without them. There was a time when one of my professors said, oh, no, you can't. I don't allow exceptions for anyone. You can't take this test or make up these hours any other time. And that was when we were supposed to be going to nationals. I think. Oh, no. And she's like, I make no exceptions. And because if I have to make an exception for you, I have to make exceptions for someone else. And I was like, OK, mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I and there are not a lot of people who are ha who have your situation exactly. either. So it's not like. <laughs> so I talked to the assistant dean. I talked to Ms. Bell. And that was when Ms. Bell went with me to talk to her. Um, and then the assistant dean really um, brought everyone together. That professor ended up being amazing. I will say like she she understood. We worked together. We figured out how I would make up my hours. Um, I think that year, too, um, I worked with Ms. Bell because my last year I had to do a, um, I forget what it's called now, but it's basically an internship. And so I had to do 360 hours um, of clinical time. And that was my main class for the year or for that quarter. And I had to be in a specific unit for 360 hours. And this was during competition season. Oh, my goodness. So, that just sounds impossible on paper. How, how did how did you work that out? Um, I literally, so I had a preceptor. I was um, precepting in the NICU um, at Santa Monica. So I sat down with the unit director at the hospital there. Um, and we she gave me preceptors. And she told me what their schedules were and when they worked. And then I then met with Ms. Val and talked to her about it as well. And she said, okay, so to get these hours in, you're going to, we're going to help, like, not take you to certain meets. So there were certain meets I didn't compete at. Um, so that while they traveled and while they were competing, I was in the hospital doing hours. Um, and then certain days I just didn't practice. Like, we figured out, I literally, it was a lot of organization. Um, so I wrote down when I could do certain hours and how to get them in. I talked to my preceptors and like we figured out how to make it work. And some days I was doing like four days in a row of clinical hours. So four 12 hour shifts in a row. Um, my goodness. And like thinking about it now. That's hard without <laughs> being a gymnast. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, sometimes I'm like, I don't know how I did it, but I will say there, I think it was the strength given to me by the Lord. This is what I was supposed to do. This is what I was called to do. And there was a reason for it. And I was called to be a gymnast and do what I did, but I was also called to do what I'm doing now. And he gave me the strength to be able to put them both together. And on top of that, this, honestly, the support from my family, like my mom sat down and helped me like figure out schedules when I can do this, when I can get this work done, when it like, how to get it all done. And I honestly, I will be completely transparent. There were times where I would cry and like, I don't know how I can do all of this. Um, but from the time I was in high school, I remember um, 
my freshman year of high school, I got in the car the first day <laughs> and I cried because I took AP classes, IB classes, all different things. And I told my mom, I was like, I can't do gymnastics. I can't go to gymnastics practice. I have too much homework to do. And she's like, oh. okay, well, let's sit down. We'll write on a piece of paper <laughs> how much work you have to do. We'll make a schedule of when you can get it done. And then we'll decide, can you go to practice today or do you need to stay home? Or do you go to practice and then leave early so you can do some homework? So that was the beginning of managing a schedule. And when I had to do this balancing nursing and gymnastics, that continued there. And she continued to help me balance that. And I'm just thankful for the entire village because, again, I could not have done what I did without everyone's role. Mm -hmm. On your resilience journey, is it safe to say that part of your ability to be resilient came with all the support you received around you? You didn't do it in isolation. Yes, that is very safe to say. Um, it took all of the support everybody's support. It took a team between my injuries <laughs> and <laughs> practicing and competing and doing the schoolwork for nursing and the hours. Like it took an entire team of people to make it happen. And I can't, I could not do it in isolation. Um, and it's transferred now to realizing in life, you can't do anything alone. You cannot. We're meant to live in community, to work in community. Um, and it takes a team to do anything. It does. I agree with you. So you're going through all of the clinicals and the rigorous schedule of becoming a nurse. And this is 2010. Is that the year um, you were going through all of those yes, things? Yes, it was 2010 to 2011. Okay. So the thing is, you're going through all of this. You have this wild schedule, heavy schedule. Yet in 2010, you go into nationals and you win the national floor exercise title. <laughs> After having gone through that, another congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yes. I am very, honestly, just very thankful. I'm just so grateful to have been able to accomplish that. And again, it took everyone everyone to get there um, from the injuries to balancing my schedule to figuring out when I was going to practice. Um, and I learned so much from everyone, like detail orient, like being detail oriented and making every single minute count, <laughs> literally like making every <laughs> minute count, making, especially in the gym, making that count um, because I didn't get a lot of time in the gym but I had to make the time count that I was in the gym. So make every turn count um, and just keep working on getting a little bit better with each turn. On top of that, my body couldn't handle a lot of practice because it was so broken <laughs> at that point. Um, yeah. oh. And so really like making each moment count and putting like leaving everything out there every single day. Yeah, but I'm just so, I'm really just very grateful and gracious, like, to be able to have accomplished that. Yes. After you've described all that you went through, all the help that you received, the support that you received, what was it like for you to stand on that podium? I remember I was crying. <laughs> I, like... <laughs> I was boohoo crying. I couldn't even smile because I was crying. So the funny. ugly cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, because in that moment, I felt everything that I had been through, everything that I had worked so hard for, and I didn't give up. Um, just the journey to get there. Um, that's all I could think about. Um, that is really all I could think about in that moment. And then I remember going out, we went out to the bus and I hugged my mom and I cried again. I was like, oh my God, how do we do this? <laughs> and, I, and I said we, because it wasn't just me. <laughs> like there was, again, was no way that I could have done it without the support of everyone. And so it was a we, like we did this. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. When you look back on all that you went through, was it worth it? 
it was absolutely worth it. Um, it's funny you asked me that. My husband asked me that question the other night, actually. Really? Um, because I've been having some, um, like, pain in my joints and stuff. And he's like, do you think it's related to gymnastics? I was like, it might be. I have no idea. <laughs> and he asked me, like, do you feel like it was, like, do you, do you look back and do you feel like it was worth it? And I said, absolutely. I, and if I had to go back and do it again, I would do it again because there's so much that I learned from that process. First, I like learning and remembering that everything happens for a reason and to see how the Lord brought me like every step of the way has contributed to how I live life now and Trials as you get older change from being a student athlete and not to minimize any of my injuries or anything like that. But as you get older, life brings sickness, illness, um, things in different family members, like all of that. Um, and what I learned in those situations and I was able to see how the Lord brought me through all of those things, it just carried on into all of the other things that have occurred in my life since then. So that's one thing, like really remembering he allows everything to happen for a reason and he allows it all to work together for our good. Like that is something that is repeatedly on, like going on in my mind. Um, but I also would do it again because it got me to where I am today. I love, I love my job. I love what I do. I love seeing the kids that I see. I love helping families. And I wouldn't do what I do today if I hadn't done what I did while I was in college. So it was completely worth it. It was 100% worth it. It was, I became a NICU nurse when I graduated. Um, and we had some stuff happen with our family and my nephew was in the NICU and um, he was really sick. And if I became a nurse, just because of like for that reason, because I was able to help guide my family, guide my sister and my brother-in-law through that situation because of the knowledge that I gained. Um, if it was only for that, like there's a reason for all of it. Um, and I got to do the sport that I love. I like, I love nursing, but I also love gymnastics to the point where I, when I was finished, I cried and I sobbed. <laughs> I like, it was a mourning process when I was done with gymnastics because it was a part of my life for so long. Um, and I still, I love the sport and it, I, I would just do it again because it was, it taught me so much. It taught me time management. It taught me attention to detail. It taught me how to be a part of a team, how to follow before you lead, how to lead. Um, just so many things. It taught me communication to be able to communicate and collaborate with the school of nursing, the athletic department, my coaches, like there's just so much that I learned in that process. And I will say, I didn't realize it until I was applying for jobs. <laughs> um, uh -huh. My senior year. So after competition season was over, I had to take a class. Um, and it was, a, it was a leadership class, but they also helped us with job applications and all of that. And I was creating all of my my resume and like working with other students and other students had done um, internships and done like lab work and extra clinical out, like all of these things. And I, I didn't do any of that because I was doing gymnastics. <laughs> right. Um, and the assistant dean, Dr. Cardin, who I had been so close to this whole process, um, she I, she was the professor for this class and I stayed after and I asked her, I told her, I don't know that I'm going to be able to get a job. I don't have all of these things that everyone else has done. So I don't have all of the experience and the things to offer that other students do. And she, she told me, you don't have those things, but you have more. You have something that they don't have um, because you were a student athlete. And so I encourage all the time, student athletes, you, there's something about being a student athlete that you get that no one else can get 
if you aren't in that position. You learn how to be on a team. You learn how to collaborate. You learn attention to detail. Like there's so much that you learn in that space that um, that you carry with you into whatever profession you choose. Um, so I wouldn't, I would, really I wouldn't good. do it differently. I would do it all over again. Absolutely. Oh, that's really good, Brittany. Good advice. Thank you. What advice would you give to the person who's listening? And they're pursuing their dream, just like you pursued your dream, but they continue to hear the word no, or they continue to come across obstacles that trip them up and take them two step backwards as they're trying to move forward. How do you encourage them to hang in there and to have resilience? I would say first read this poem by Edgar Guest um, that somebody said it couldn't be done. I would very much encourage them to read that poem. Um, it talks about someone who everyone says, you can't do this, but they start working at it. And people keep saying, it's not possible. You'll never do that. And he keeps working at it until at the very end, he's done it. Um, so that first, um, because it, it's encouragement. But then I would say first, if there's something you really want to do that you feel in your heart, is for you, do not take no for an answer. Um, figure out how to make it happen and keep going to the next person that will help you make it happen. Go to the person that will say yes. And I, I, I tell people this all the time, whoever you're going to has a boss. Everyone has a boss. <laughs> um, and so you take it up the chain until you get a yes. Um, or you take it to somebody else, whatever it is. And sometimes it means you might have to adjust what it looks like. But it doesn't mean that you give up on what it is that you want to do. You might have to adjust a little bit of what you think it might look like to get there. Or because I will say going to nursing school and doing gymnastics, I didn't think it was like that. <laughs> um, but it did. And we figured out how to make it work. Um, so be willing to be flexible. Um, to figure out how to make it work, but don't take no for an answer and be willing to work with, like work with whoever's willing to give you the yes. Um, and then for the person that's moving forward, but then taking two steps back, um, keep pushing, keep trying. Don't give up on what you want unless there is a physical reason that you just cannot do it. If you're able to come back and at least try and it's not detrimental to your health, then I say keep trying. If it's detrimental to your health, then find a different way to pour yourself into what you love. Because there's always a different way. Because if, for example, let's say I couldn't go back and do gymnastics, I could still be a leader and encourage because that is honestly, my passion now, encouraging others. You can still be a leader and encourage and be a part and be part of the sport that you love. It just may not look like you competing. Um, so be creative and figure out how you can do it if you physically cannot do it. If you can and you can at least try, keep trying. Again, don't take no for an answer. Say, no, I want to do this. How can you help me? What can you do to help me? Um, just keep trying, keep pushing. And don't give up because if it's what you're meant to do and what the Lord has for you to do, he's going to see you through it all the way to the end. Period. Period. <laughs> Period. <laughs> That's it. Brittany, your resilience journey continues because just recently you received some pretty tough news. Would you like to share that? I can. Um, recently, I was diagnosed with Graves' disease, um, and it's a thyroid disorder that is an autoimmune disorder. So my body is attacking itself. Um, and at first, when I didn't know what was going on, um, I will honestly say, like, I was a little bit afraid because I, I was having symptoms where it was difficult to walk. My body was shaking. Um, I had weakness. Um, and it, it was scary and I didn't know what was happening. And I have, I have a husband and two little girls. 
Um, and that's really important. They, they are really important to me. Um, but once I, we figured out what was going on, um, we were able, I was able to remember again <laughs> where the Lord has brought me from. And I think this is a situation in what I was talking about before in remembering all of the things that he's brought me from before and how he has seen me through them and remembering now he's going to do the same. And he is because my medication is working and like it's working. I'm feeling better. My symptoms are gone. Um, he is, he allows all of it to work together for our good. And there's a purpose in all of it. Um, and I'm able to continue to remember and like do that mind shift um, of this is happening for a reason. And also to be able to be present enough in it to say, okay, Lord, what are you trying to teach me in this moment? What things are you trying to show me that I need to change? What things are you trying to teach me and help me adjust to them and be present enough to be able to see that? Um, and so thankfully, like all of my previous experiences have um, contributed to this one as well. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful again that my medication is working and all of that. So, Oh, that is wonderful to hear that the medication's working and to hear your heart response to that, the attitude, you know, you believe there's something you can learn from it. You believe that God has a plan, even in the midst of those difficult trials that we face. And I, I think if anyone will be able to handle something like this, it would be you. It's like you've been prepared to handle adversity and not just handle it, but thrive through it. And you have never taken no as an answer, it seems. you When, when your Achilles tears said no, you were like, mm -mm, yes, is the answer. I'm going to move forward. You're back. You said, yes, I'm going to move forward. And to see the level of resilience that you have and the, the joy that you're experiencing now living out your purpose as a nurse, as a mom, as a wife, just it's exciting. It's exciting to watch. I'm excited for your family. And as you continue to step forward in life, in your brilliance, just know that I'm cheering you on. Thank you. I appreciate that so, so much. Thank you. I am, I'm very thankful for everything that has happened and being able to continue to live life and be able to be resilient <laughs> through all of it. And I'm thankful for the experiences because they taught me a lesson to be able to continue to thrive through different situations in life and hopefully to encourage um, other people to do the same. Um, and help other people in those situations too, because it all happens for a reason and we're meant to live life together in community and not be isolated. Mm -hmm. That's good. Thank you. My final question for you, Brittany, what does living in brilliance mode look like for you? Living in brilliance mode um, is an attitude of gratitude. It is being thankful every day, even if it's hard to find things that you're thankful for, being thankful for waking up and having breath in your body, having a roof over your head, food to eat. Um, it really is living in gratitude because life could always be different. It could be better, but it could always be very different than what you're living. Ah, very nice. Brittany, I'm so impressed by your level of perseverance, resilience, by your heart for people, heart for community, heart for the children you take care of as a nurse, your zeal for life and your family. And I just appreciate you trusting me with your story. So thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. And thank you for having me. Thank you for being willing to tell my story and allowing um, me to tell my story as well. I appreciate it. It's an honor. Brittany McCullough Clark's resilience journey started even before she left her mother's womb. 
The fact that she even became a gymnast, much less a highly successful one, might be considered a miracle. As she shared her story, she emphasized two keys to her being resilient that unlocked the brilliance in her athletic career and in her professional career as a nurse. And those keys were the people in her life and her faith. She knew what she wanted and she fought for what she wanted, but she was humble enough to involve others in the fight. She enlisted their help, listened to their wisdom, and disciplined herself to follow their advice so that she could not only stay in the game, but also win the game. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a belief in some circles across all sports that athletes who possess humility and even faith are soft and unable to perform at the highest levels. Brittany clearly sets the record straight. She is a great example of how resilience and humility can actually go hand in hand and lead to some pretty impressive results. I'm also taking away from Brittany her conviction that it's okay to adjust your goals if necessary. As you passionately pursue them, keep pressing on for sure, but be aware that as you go along, there may need to be a shift in mindset. The end product may not look exactly like you thought it would, and neither may the journey. But when you persevere, the outcome can be just as satisfying, if not more. So who can you enlist to be a part of your team? Those who will celebrate with you during the good times and who will encourage you during the tough ones. There's no shame in asking for help. In fact, doing life with others can not only boost your ability to be resilient, it can also be a lot more fun. Thank you for listening. If you want to find out more about Brittany McCullough Clark, check out our show notes on inbrilliancemode.com slash podcast. And to connect with Bruin Gymnastics alumni on Instagram, follow us at UCLA Gym Alumni. Any use of this podcast without the express written consent of Brilliance Mode LLC is prohibited.